Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. From now until September 15th, we are encouraging members to register to Paint It Forward as a way to give back to their local community. You can register individually or as a group on our website. Look for Paint It Forward under the Events tab to register. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Today's episode is a case study with Anthony Langdon of Asset Roofing uh, from Seattle, Washington. Now, it wasn't very long ago that Anthony's business had hit its ceiling because he was literally always stuck on a roof. No pun intended. 2018, his business was doing about $400,000 a year in revenue, and he was working about 80 hours a week to support that due to a lack of systems. He was making money, but he was breaking his back to do it. He owned a job, essentially. After buying a family home, doing some rough mental math, he had an epiphany. With six children, a wife to support, this owner-operator model of business ownership simply wasn't financially viable. He always thought of himself as an entrepreneur, but realized that true entrepreneurship required a disciplined systems focus that he just hadn't quite found yet. All of that was going to change very quickly, though. So today, it was only four years later, His business is trending to do over $10 million in revenue this year. His net profit is way north of 20%. He's he's implemented a sophisticated tech stack that allows for seamless inter-team communication and coordination, and he's surrounded himself with a team of high performers, and he works a much more manageable 30 to 40 hours a week to do all of this. Now, in our conversation, Anthony breaks down the most critical business systems that led to this remarkable growth, both in mindset and in revenue. The other thing he's going to talk a lot about is the business coaching he's received from Breakthrough Academy, which made a lot of the systemization and growth possible. Now, if you're a roofer or you're another type of contractor for that matter, and you want results like Anthony, then you should join Breakthrough Academy. The first step of the journey is to do a business assessment with us, where someone from our team will analyze your contracting business, answer your questions, and determine whether or not this might be a fit for you. So to schedule a business assessment with Breakthrough Academy, click on the link in the description. That's enough out of me. Let's dive in to Anthony Langdon's story. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Anthony Langdon, amigo, good to see you, man. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I am truly just humbled that you would even consider talking to me on this. We're honored to have you. We are honored to have you. And we've got a really great story to tell here today. Um... Tell us a little bit about your business like 2018 and before. Tell us a bit about Asset Roofing uh, before Breakthrough Academy. Um, 2018 and before was just me, a guy who prided himself as a roofer, was going to roof until I couldn't no more um, and considered myself a, a, a business person right. that was working for myself. And it was... Um, confusing, hard, exhausting, 
Yeah. You kind of own, you kind of owned a job for yourself. Uh, big time. Yep. We're talking offline a little bit about like there, there came a point uh, where like, it's just, you physically started to feel it. Body was starting to wear out and you're like, yeah, this is maybe not the most sustainable way of doing this forever. Tell us a little about that. You know, there was actually a, a, a moment I bought a house in 2018 for me and my wife and six kids finally found a place that we could all fit in. And I remember standing there <clears throat> looking at how much it was going to cost. And I realized I couldn't install enough shingles to pay for these kids and this house. <laughs> the number does not exist. Physically can't do it. with the Physically hours couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for one year, but not sustainable. Um, so you're kind of confronted with the, the bitter but honest truth that like this way of doing it, what got you here won't get you there, as we say all the time in Breakthrough Academy. Um, do you remember how that felt internally, how it affected your sense of balance, work-life balance, um, family time, like just those, those pre-2018 years? We're going to talk about what's happened since, but do you remember just like the internal feeling of it before we started to systemize, the business started to grow, your mindset shifted? What, what was that like for you as an individual? Well, I think, I think there was some fear involved in that. There was unknown. Um, you know, you, you've identified your, your way of a roofer for so long mm -hmm. and trying to wrap your mind around how you're going to continue to make the same amount of money without doing the work. Um, you know, I honestly couldn't think past that. So you're thinking, how do these guys do it? What's the secret to growing a business? And it, it kind of just stopped there because I, I didn't know. So you had to let Fear. go of an old identity then. Like there was like this, there was like Anthony, the, the roofer. And then there was like Anthony, the entrepreneur, the business person that you needed to step into, but letting go of that old version, that older model was hard. It, it was really hard. And honestly, just learning that this whole time I thought I was an entrepreneur, but I was really just a guy who built a job for himself that was running myself into the ground. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a tough pill to swallow to kind of like accept that about yourself. You're like, ah, I thought I was this. Turns out maybe not. Not. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Now this all, uh, like I'm, I'm really excited to get into like 2018 till now. Cause what's happened since is like, honestly mind blowing. I rattled off some of the statistics and some of the growth and some of the numbers in the intro for our listeners. So they know the, the journey on paper, at least. Now I want to know a little bit about how all of that happened and um, the changes you made. Um, when we were <clears throat> chatting on the phone last week, prepping for this a little, you'd mentioned something that I wanted to go back to. There was a I don't know what you call it, like a phone etiquette framework. It was like the first system you'd ever built that totally yeah. changed your perspective. Tell us about the the system in its simplest form. And then tell us about the shift in perspective that ensued. Yeah. So my first move was I marketed a little bit. Phone started ringing. I hired uh, an office uh, or receptionist and gave her my cell phone. And uh, that was very hard to do. Handing over the phone? Handing over the phone. Because no you one's going to do first, it the same as me. No one can talk on the phone. Yeah. No one can sell. Yeah. They're not going to ask right questions. Is that kind of where your head was at? That, that, totally. Uh, no one. Uh, yeah. And and it's like handing over the, the, well, you think you're the best. I thought I was, they call me, this is why I get my deals because I know what to say. 
I know how to, you know, smooth the customer and set it up. So I handed her the phone and I was getting, um, some difficult feedback from the customers. I'd go to the appointment and they would say, well, you know, your office said this and your office said that. So I realized, okay, we need to have a meeting. Mm -hmm. We need to have a phone etiquette was the word I came up with. Mm -hmm. The play by play. If a customer calls and asks, asks these questions, these are the answers. Mm -hmm. And this is the way to maneuver through that. And it, it was the first moment where I realized that, okay, this is a, procedure. This is a way we're going to do things. Mm. And then I realized, you know, that kind of went into my day and I thought, man, if I could, if I could teach my crew a way that we do this, maybe I could go home early. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could go do the estimate in, in midday instead of after I was done roofing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that started the, the journey of looking into, okay, how can I systematize little things that would run without me? Mm-hmm. There's like an epiphany where you're like, if I can make this small little, ch- if I can hand this small little task, which is basically picking up the phone and dialoguing with customers in a certain way that achieves a certain outcome. If I can hand this off using a little system, what else can I hand off? Yeah. And yeah. it was the emotional freedom, not having my phone ringing in my tool belt yeah. uh, freed me up to do more. Yeah. And yeah. Kinda, yeah. I started realizing there's something here. So this, this epiphany change in perspective, this initial system kind of starts a fire within you, uh, which spreads to the rest of your business. And all of a sudden you're like turning over every rock and like, what, what can I, uh, what can I systemize here? How can I make this more efficient? How can I get this off my plate? Now you really are moving into like entrepreneur land where you thought you were before, but weren't quite yet. Now you actually are moving into this entrepreneurial type role where you're creating a system that functions without you. And I, I really want for our listeners, I want them to hear about like the most fundamental um, systems that, that you hired. I think one of the first things that, um, you'd mentioned was a big difference maker was getting, getting a bit of a tech stack built out, like having some softwares in place, having some technology working for you in the background. What did you put in, what did you put in place first? What difference did it make? How did you add to it? Just take us through that whole journey. Yeah. And I'd like to think that I want everybody to know this wasn't like I sat down and just had this, I mapped out this plan. It was a painful step, step, step. But right. I, it all started with the office lady needing a way to know everything. And so I Googled how to keep your team in the loop. And the CRM marketing started popping up. Job Nimbus was reaching out. And the idea of a CRM, in fact, I think that Google search led me to you guys as well a little bit. You guys started, you know marketing me and shamelessly marketing to you me. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Insta- You're here now. <laughs> no, it was great. And, um, so I started getting the CRM and I realized I didn't even know what that stood for. And everybody kept asking me, Hey, do you have a CRM? I'm like, I, don't, I don't even know what these things are. And so getting job is in place allowed my team, which was one person, a hub to, to house all the customer's information job information. I got it out of a notebook that was in my truck Mm. into a computer and uh, I could see it on my phone and she could see in the office. And this was mind blowing to me. 
You know, it's funny on my little, uh, my little sheet here, I have all of these stats from coach Ryan on your business. And one of the ones, one of the little, like, <laughs> it's not exactly a KPI, but one of the results that we've tracked with you is tools in place. That's the category pre 2018. It says Anthony's brain. And then after that, it's like, now it's CMO core, company yeah. camp, job Nimbus, all this stuff. So it's just, it is funny. Um, that getting job Nimbus in place was a real, was a real revelation. Was it, was that really hard? Was it daunting? A lot of people find software implementations extremely difficult. They're highly stressful. It's hard to get the team on board. Was that, was that the case for you with, with, uh, with these tools, job Nimbus specifically? Well, well, shout out to job Nimbus. They do a very good job taking you through Mm. and lining you up. So I really appreciate how they did that. And, you know, they built out their system knowing that this is hard. Yeah. I, I will say finding the right one was hard. Understanding what you actually need. Cause knowing once you get married to one of these things, it's, it's hard to back out. And, um, but it was, I think early on with one employee, it, it was, um, I could customize it from the very beginning. What are some of the other tools that you added on top of that? What else is, uh, how has your tech stack evolved from there? So the tech stack kept evolving as I tried to learn how to teach my, my office, what it is I was doing in the field and also what the customers teaching them, what it is I'm going to be doing on their roof. Right. And I used to do a lot of pictures and a lot of, and that led me to researching sumo quote, which I added, um, I think it was two years ago. I mean, it was really when they were just coming into the market and um, Sumo Quote allowed me to systematize the quote that would instantly upload to my office lady. So she was staying in the known Mm -hmm. and that allowed the sales process to become very fluent to cut back on my time. Mm. and produce a really high quality looking estimate. The actual, we've had Ryan Shantz, founder of Sumo Quote on the podcast. He's a, he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, we love the product. Um, and just for listeners who don't know what it is, it is basically a um, very s- a simple but ingenious little uh, piece of software that helps you create the client-facing proposal, the thing that actually faces the customer and they look through and see their house and see the scope of work that you're proposing to do. They see the price. They see product information. It's beautiful. It converts very, very well. It's, it's sort of made with sales psychology in mind, so it sort of does some of the selling for you. Um, and then there's an easy place to sign. It's just a really, really great tool if you do residential in-home sales of any kind. Anthony's a roofer, but if you do landscaping, painting, you know, what, uh, yeah, whatever the case, whatever your business is, like, uh, check out Sumo Quote. For you, did you notice a boost in SR? What did it do to your sales process? That sort of, that part of your workflow, did it, how did it make that easier, more efficient for you guys? Yeah, it was a game changer instantly because I shopped the, the competition and, you know, they were on Word documents. There were no pictures included. Your competition. No you, you shopped around like other, com- other roofers in Seattle, checked out what they were doing. What they were doing. And mm. I quietly realized I've stumbled upon something that's going to separate me instantaneously. And I wasn't really looking at that. I was looking at how can I communicate with my office lady? I kept focusing on what I'm doing out here. If I just get the quote to the customer in 15 minutes, I don't have to 
go back and explain to my office what we're doing. It's in the sumo quote mm. through pictures and through verbiage. So it was like a one-time deal because I was doing estimates late at night, sending them to customers and then explaining to the office lady what the job is going to be. And there were so many steps that I knew needed to be eliminated by one swoop. So you, so that you kind of killed yeah. two birds with one stone there. You were essentially having to build this thing spec for a ho- for a homeowner every time then relay that information to the office instead you got a little tool that does both really effectively and saves you time in the making yeah it was a one-time deal i i've obsessed on well i have six kids so i like to explain things <laughs> to them through picture and words right so i uh, the customer needed a picture and words my office lady needed a picture and words which led me to the other great piece here is company cam was the ultimate game changer for my business. How come? Because I could, I could go to a customer's home and I can take a full array of video pictures and create a storyline for my office staff Mm -hmm. so that they could set up the job. I could also create a storyline and an understanding for my customer all in one swoop. Mm. I could create a, a work order through video which allowed my office to learn about roofing without having seminars. Mm. They could just watch my videos. And what I learned was my office, they would learn what a flapper vent was by watching the video. They were learning what pipe boots look like. And so they were becoming familiar with the roofing process all by me just doing a very thorough estimate and setting up the team for success. So the estimate one half hour with the customer was establishing all the data we needed to do the job. I think that's a really important point. I don't, I don't want listeners to lose, lose sight of this. Like these tools helped you do the, uh, it helped you achieve your, your objectives with more ease, uh, in terms of selling to the customer, in terms of saving time for you and all that's great. But the other thing that's packed in here is it helped you educate your office about the actual process of roofing, which if you talk to a lot of contractors, that's actually a huge communication breakdown that a lot of business owners struggle with. They've got, yep. they've got site guys, they've got project managers, they've got crew leads that are doing the thing. And then they have people in the office that are administrating the thing, but neither of them really understand each other super well. So I think that that's a really neat point. You just made this technology help bring bridge that gap, train the office on what they need to know about without you having to set up weekend seminars and evening trainings and do all this extra work for them. It kind of happened like through osmosis. It kind of happened organically yeah. because they're just getting exposed to this stuff through the tools. It's a really good point. So th- this tech stack kind of this tech stack rather takes shape. You've got JobNimbus is the main hub, Sumo Quote for your sales process, Company Cam that helps sort of with compliance, helps track job progress, et cetera. And these things are now working in unison. <clears throat> the next, what, What's the next big project? If you're looking at like implementation projects, things you had to change about your business, where did your attention turn to then? Okay. Well, this is really where the, the, the magic flip here. I realized all the tech in the world was nothing without the right people. So that first year, 2019, 20, I'm, I'm going down a trail with people that I, I hired before. I wasn't able to, you know, um, I didn't understand buy-in, painting the vision. 
um, employee agreements. None of those things were in play. And there was turmoil in the business. There was frustration. There's, um, you know, bad personalities. And I, you know, Ryan heard all the stories of what's, what am I going to do? And how do I do this? And at the beginning of 2021, I, I made a very tough decision and offloaded the entire staff. Everyone. Did a total, re, total rebuild. Really? Like it, it, it had, the situation had become that entrenched. It was like you had to strip this thing down, strip the house down to its studs, basically. Full gut yes, job. Did. Really? Yeah, that sounds I, like a, how do you make that decision? That's a really, really, t- like, I, did you lose sleep over that? Like, how do you make a big call like that? I mean, that's just, that sounds like a, a really, really huge um, a big decision. I'm sure in the end it was the right decision, but what, what were the days and weeks like leading up to that? Well, I, this was right before the, um, winter summit that was online. Yeah. I, I read that, or we, I heard Jocko was going to be there. Didn't know who he was, got his book and I read it trying to be prepared for this winter summit. And he spoke to extreme ownership and it, it really just hit me that all the issues are myself and I have to own it. So I, I actually took a few days and tried to just figure out how I'm going to own every issue. And I found out that I was actually the problem and to, to hire the right people or the people I have now, they're not going to accept this change in myself. We, I would try to explain that I'm, I'm changing the company's changing. The relationship needs to change. And it wasn't, wasn't quite working. That was so, landing on deaf ears. You you were like, "Hey, I'm charting a course for this business, which is different than the way correct. it's used." This is we're gonna make we're gonna make some moves here, guys. Like this is going to be different. Your roles are gonna be structured differently. I'm gonna expect more because we need to do X, Y, Z. And that was essentially yeah. not being absorbed. You mentioned you're struggling with buy-in. Like they weren't buying into that vision. Is is essentially yep. what was happening, right? Yeah, these were people that identified with me as a roofer and, and wanted and you to stay we, there wanted me to stay there. I think I was representing change, some going down a venture that didn't was unknown for all of us. And when I realized this wasn't getting me anywhere, <clears throat> I remember I have to rebuild or this business is going to going to go. Wow. So you initiate this move, I'm sure have a whole bunch of difficult conversations. That probably wasn't a fun couple of days there when you did that. Yeah. Tell us about the rebuild. Yeah, so I, I took a leap of faith and I showed up to work with no one for just a few days, reached out in my network and I landed an interview with a potential office um, receptionist, admin, personal assistant, the whole, you know, she'd probably have 10 hats. Mm. But this particular time I had a value system. You know, Ryan always brings me back to the BHAG and the values of my business. What are your values? What are your values? Just, just while we're on that. Number one is value people. Number two is constant improvement, Uh, passion for winning. Let me see what unique culture, customer focus and integrity, six values. So the, you, you got clear on those values and, and basically began your rebuild with that incredibly front of mind. Whereas before you were trying to like apply those values retroactively to people that didn't have them, 
weren't hired with those in mind and it essentially just created their own value. So it's like, I think this sort of fresh page concept is probably pretty clear, but now you're, yep. now you're using that as sort of the, the culture filter. It's like you fit the, you, these values make sense to you and you believe in them. And then, and so you're welcome here and we're going to do great things together or they don't. And that's probably not a values fit. And let's, let's maybe decide not to work together. So you use these as a very, very central point of the rebuild process. Is that right? Yeah, that's right on. I, in fact, am hardcore about these values. And I, when I was trying to build the business, I was trying to figure out how to scale me and my personality mm-hmm. because I was, I was attracting customers. I could work with people. And so how do you scale yourself? Well, you have to scale people out of the same value system as you. And are, are you living these values out in all your affairs? And so it was, my values is, uh, I'm hardcore about it would be this to be putting nicely. You know, I think this is actually, we didn't prep this. So sorry for putting you on the spot here, but this values <laughs> thing comes up so often and everyone, like everyone talks about values and here are mine and they're important. And I think people get that concept intuitively. I'll tell you what's a harder thing to do, Anthony. And I'm wondering if you've learned anything about this is like, how do you interview for values? How do you assess whether or not someone is aligned with those values that you've written up on the wall? Is there a way to quantify that? Are there questions you ask, a process that you follow that, that shows you, yeah, this person is a fit based on these six or no, they're not. Yeah. I mean, when I interviewed, uh, Olivia, who's was the, the, the lady that started the, the change. She was the first one. We, I think I might've got a little lucky in the interview, but the, the interview went from, um, went on for three hours mm-hmm. talking about life and values. And we were able to maneuver through uh, everything but my company, just what we're all about. And I started realizing her, her um, character was exactly what I was looking for. And when I implemented her character, not the skill set that she had, it was the character with the SOP. Mm. The new era began of how to make this thing work. So <clears throat> that was Olivia. That was a, that's like the first hire after you came in that day. The office is just you're like, man, it's quiet in here. You add Olivia. Yeah. Now you're at 34, maybe uh, plus or minus a couple. Um, just briefly kind of take us through the rest of the rebuild. What roles did you add in what order? What, what positions when added, did you notice made a huge difference to your scalability, to your enjoyability as a business owner? Just kind of briefly run us through the the rest of the, the build out of the team. So yeah, Olivia started and one of my one installer that I had that was uh, injured, couldn't roof anymore hurt his back for the rest of his life. I went to him and asked him if he would be interested in recruiting installers mm-hmm. and helping me build out um, that role. And he he did. We got new crews through um, our network of installers. And from the very beginning, we, we implemented um, our values. We value each other. I value you as a roofer. We're going to demand that the homeowners value you as well as we respect them. And we started, you know, we, we talk about these things almost on a daily basis. And 
what me and Olivia kind of talk about is the thing that we did leads to the thing that leads to the thing. And so as we were going along, we would realize we, we needed somebody here. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Olivia took on the challenges of hiring these people out. Um, she created an interview structure questions and she filtered people and she was really weeding out values and, and, um, we, we were able to score, um, more people. Would you do a final interview or is she, was she kind of involved? Did she do all of the hiring for you? I would do the final interview. So yeah. she would talk to them, phone interview, bring them in. If she felt after that, that it was worth uh, us sitting down and talking with this person, then, then we would do a, a third interview. Have you reflected at all since going through this on sort of the difference? I, I and I'm just just talking about like personnel. I'm just talking about culture. Like, do you do you think about what it's like to show up to your office now with these this team of 34, 35 some odd people versus what it was like before before you did this sort of complete and total gut job of the team and, and rebuild the whole thing from the ground up? Like, what's what's the before and after photo there? God, well, before it was um, anxiety, stress. What are they going to do to me today? What's going to be the problems? And then today, I mean, literally today I show up and we have a team meeting of, I don't know, probably 40 people out in the yard. Um, my field manager brought me a cake because my birthday was yesterday. <laughs> and I've got people of all different cultures, gender, um, language barriers, all sitting around, able to communicate smiling, eating and talking, getting ready to, to go out to work. And I don't think anybody here thinks that this is really a job. We, we enjoy every second of the day. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I love that. So that's, that's a pretty stark image you've just painted. Um, the last thing that we, I, the last big, big system that I think made a big difference for you was the journey of building SOPs, standard operating procedures. So tech stack gets in place. You realize, okay, all the tech in the world isn't going to solve the people problem. You rebuild, you rebuild the team. You got a, you got a better team. Now it's like, okay, I need some actual procedures to govern the way in which things get done here, make things more efficient, make things more reliable, predictable, uniform. It's not a whole bunch of people doing things their own way. It's a whole bunch of people doing things the asset roofing way. How did the, and, and I'll, and I'll say this for listeners too, building standard operating procedures is, is not, is a, is a pretty daunting task. It's not a sit down for an hour and it's done. Like it's just constant work and then they need to be updated. And then the one you built two years ago is now obsolete because your business has changed. So this is, this is not uh, this is not light work, but it is a huge difference maker. And I understood for you guys, it made all the difference in terms of some of these like higher end growth numbers. Tell us about the SOP building journey and the results that followed. Yeah, I think what, what we did is uh, me and Olivia uh, identified that production was an issue. Right, let me back up. First, we identified that we we met all day, every day about what are the issues, identifying problems. We brain dumped problems all the time. We would look at them and then we would talk solutions. Then yeah. we would say, we need a solution for this. And then we would write out, okay, well, here's a quick SOP. And I... I could probably speak for everybody. 
the idea of writing SOP is scary. I don't know why. You pull the, the computer up, you got the Word doc open, and you're like, okay, I'm going to write SOP, and it just doesn't get done. You just kind of stare at it. But what I started re- realizing is, well, one, I delegate it. <laughs> but You don't need to write it. Yeah, but, but we talk about just get a couple items, bullet points on paper, and that becomes the SOP. So you can start with a really simplified version of it. It doesn't need to be this 65-page manual with perfect grammar every single everywhere, uh, you know, no typos, yeah. every nope. single thing's flushed out. Like you can start with a more, uh, you know, rudimentary version and then let that evolve over time. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, we just started what we what we adapted the saying is just move on it. Don't set up everything for perfection. If we need an SOP, write out four bullet points, type it up, hand it out. Right. Right. Bring somebody in, have a quick conversation. It becomes an SOP and it becomes movement. And that thing leads to the next thing. I don't think you can actually dial in the SOP in one sitting because you don't have enough information of how it's going to work or how it's going to affect the person. So you just get it started. Just get something on paper. Start with four bullet points. Those four four bullet points become six bullet points. Those six bullet points become six bullet points in two paragraphs. Then it becomes a two-page thing. Then someone else wants to add to it. And before you know it, you actually do have something that's taking the shape of a proper standard operating procedure. But you'd never yes. get to that point if you stared there like you you you, you yeah. stood there, like you said a second ago, staring at, at Microsoft Word with the little cursor, like blinking, just going like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where to start. Yeah. So I think that's a real piece of wisdom guys from, from Anthony on this is like, just start with something. It doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be exhaustive. It doesn't need to be perfect. But if you start with four bullet points, that will evolve into something much more robust over time. And like you said, the end product is going to be of a higher quality because the chances that you're going to sit down and like draw it up perfectly on the whiteboard just in one go sitting from the, you know, from the office or from your sort of ownership position, it's, it's not, there's not a very good chance that that's going to happen. It needs to be interacted with by the team. It needs to go to site, see how it works, see where the missing holes are, add to it from there. And I just, I love that whole idea of starting small and letting it take shape organically with the team. Yes. And, and I think the best, the, the bigger thing is team meetings, effective team meetings. And I mean, we could go into, you know, the value of BTA, but you know, the, 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 my first year and a half was kind of staring at everyone talking, not quite understanding all all these procedures. But, um, once you start really hearing what you guys are saying and the, and actually the steps that you guys put it in, it's, it's, um, mind-blowing how simple it is yeah what what would you just how would you um it's kind of similar question to the one i asked you about hiring like now that sops are in place and working for you can you describe the feeling of that like what words would you put to your sense of ownership over the business now that you have standard operating procedures in place that are documented written down they're distributed among the organization. They're followed, hopefully, consistently. Like, what is that yeah. like for you as an owner now that all that work is finished? Or not uh, finished, look, but but you're like, because the work's never yeah. done, but you've got a good start. There's a baseline, at least. There's a baseline, for sure. It, it's, I would, the word I would use is uh, emotional freedom to think bigger. 
What do you mean by that? Well, you know, when you're roofing at 400 grand a year and someone, you, you, how do how do you scale to 5 million? It's like, yeah, that's impossible. But when you start putting these things in place, you have time emotionally to, well, you've multiplied yourself. And so you can see the game from a different level and start understanding that the whole business is more SOPs, mm. more SOPs, I think is more revenue, mm-hmm. more predictability, more control of the outcome. So they've completely shifted your perspective on business and they're allowing you to play a bigger game or at least think about playing a bigger game. What was like conceptually impossible before is now like, yeah, I could see it. I could see how 10 million works. It's going to be hard, but like I can see it. I can see how it works. Yep. Tell us about your business now. Tell us about your work-life balance. Tell us about your lifestyle. Just like where where is Asset at? Where is Anthony Langdon at these days? Well, I'm, you know, I'm definitely still heavily active in the business, but I have um, kind of a permanent smile on my face. I can say that. I sleep. I don't know if I sleep well, but I, I sleep. I think clear. I can... Um, when I come to the office, I, I know I'm coming into a, a group of people that are all like-minded and that are looking to advance themselves. I'm learning that I'm I'm doing a lot of coaching with my team. I'm getting to know a lot of cool people and um, w- major goals are being set and it's, it's just really exciting, I would say. not as I'm not as afraid and anxious. I'm more excited and hopeful. When we talk about this this journey, uh, one thing that you've mentioned, we haven't really talked about it a ton, is like you're working with Breakthrough Academy. And I got two questions about that. One is about working with a coach and one is about the power of community. Let's start with the coach. How pivotal was it having a coach in your corner, working with someone like Ryan? Coach Ryan is our break, one of our Breakthrough Academy coaches, has worked with Anthony for the last number of years. How pivotal is it having someone like him in your corner to hold you accountable, to guide you, to answer questions? Like, what was that relationship like? What was the impact it had? Uh, you know, at, at first I didn't, I don't think I recognized the power of it. I, w- I was kind of showing up, listening to him and I would hear him. And then when I, I realized in the end, the way he, he was very strategic about how he approached me, he never told me what to do. He was a very good listener. Uh, he brought me back to the BHAG, brought me back to the values, 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 value. I mean, it's every, every question I said, all he said was values. What are your values? And, and, and he's, he's guiding you down and not telling you the pace is, is perfect. I think without a coach, you're kind of aimlessly going around this journey. Your, your best thinking is only going to get you so far. So adding someone's perspective in, um, mm-hmm. And, and kind of knowing you're going to meet with him and talk about things. It was every time I get done talking to Ryan, he all, I always feel regenerate, rejuvenized about values. Yeah. He's pretty big on does the he values. Hold you accountable? Does he, does he, does he like hold your feet to the fire? Does he, does he keep you committed to the things he said you were going to do? He, he does. Yeah. And he, it's, it's like, he reminds myself that, you know, well, I'm a competitive person, so when I, you know, when he always was reminding me what, what I said I wanted, why I'm in the game, values, and go back to the toolbox, go back to the next indicated step, and get on with it. And and it, um, 
I didn't understand all about what he was trying to do until a year into it. And you're kind of like, wait a minute. BTA it was a slow start. Is big. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was a slow start, but the BTA doing the GSRs is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing with my company. Mm-hmm. Goal set review, everything. And how you guys have laid out the framework, you guys are, you guys have the path ahead of us. And if we, you can follow the, the, the method system, SOP, effective team meetings, goals, how. And the other, the other side to this that I, I want some perspective on is the community piece. Cause I think leadership is very lonely. I think being a contractor is kind of like a misunderstood journey. There's a lot that you deal with and confront there's decisions you have to make pressures that you feel that I don't think the average lay person, the average society member, members of your family, members in your community, most people don't really get it. It's kind of, you need like a, you need a tribe that does, that is on the same path as you. And everyone kind of get, I think takes different value from it. But for you, what was having a community of like-minded, like roofing entrepreneurs like you to bounce yeah. ideas off of, to be supported by, to be inspired or challenged by like, what, what, tell us about that. Yeah, I think it's, um, extremely important. I mean, all my ideas and all the thoughts have come out of those every two week meetings because you're listening to people and their ideas and try this and try that or their stories with their employees or all their stuff and you're listening like wait I, I got the same thing and then you start realizing you're not alone we're all going through the same thing there's guys that are ahead of me guys that are below me guys that can help me guys that I can help and you start to really and you're ingesting a lot of good information and you never know what you're going to hear in that two hours every two weeks and it's I hear something that sets my business to another course every single time I'm in there um Anthony you've said it all my friend tell us uh, in closing what is what's the next BHAG for asset roofing where are you guys headed in the future our aim in the next year is getting into the metal distribution Mm. Uh, I'm a metal roofer by trade Uh, we started producing our own panels uh, on a small scale for our own roofs. And we see that there's a, a gap in the market in where I'm at. And so we're looking at property now and equipment to start pressing out um, metal roofing for the roofing industry. I love it. You're going to vertically integrate. It's a very strategic play. If people want to find out more about you, they want to reach out, send you some kudos, whatever, where, where can people find you? Um, well, you can follow us on Instagram. It's Asset Roofing, our Facebook and um, our website, assetroofingco.com. Yeah. I, I really, really appreciate you being here. Um, done a really unbelievable job over the last four years, and there's just a huge amount to be proud of. It's uh, It's been an honor having you, and I look forward to seeing you in person when that happens again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.